This morning we're going to begin a, a, a new series and we're, just, we're calling it Gifted Kids. And I think you'll understand what I mean in a, in a few moments. But really the kind of the explanation of Gifted Kids is embracing, expressing, and experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I couldn't get all of that on the sign, okay? There's just a limited amount of space there. But uh, we're, we're going to begin a series this morning and I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I'm going to leave that up to the, to the Lord as He guides us. But we're going to do an in-depth study of, of spiritual gifts. And the reason we're going to do that is because I believe that God has given every child in the body of Christ, every person who knows Jesus as his Savior, he's given every one of them at least one gift, and I really believe he's given them more gifts. And those gifts are to be used to build up the body. Those are, those are the tools that we bring in our toolbox. And when we all come with our toolbox and we all come with our tools, the body of Christ is built up. And so we're going to look at that for the next few weeks. And uh, as we go along, uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll be challenged. Uh, so let's talk about gifted sh- uh, children for a minute, gifted kids. I, I was reading an article a, a few weeks ago about a, a young man. His name is Don Shin. And Don, uh, the story, has the, the story in the, in the five. Now, I want you to think about that. Before he started to school, he was doing long division. I'm not very good at math, okay? Now, I can add, and I can subtract, and I can divide and multiply, but that's... I just, it was, it just didn't make sense. Uh, uh, Algebra, Algebra 2, that was pretty much the ceiling for me, okay? So what I'm about to share with you blows my mind. He began learning calculus in the fifth grade. He took his first advanced placement test, his AP test, on Calculus BC. I don't even know what Calculus BC is. Some of you may know what it is, okay? But he, he took his first placement test, the most difficult of the AP career, uh, Calculus tests, in the seventh grade. And then he proceeded to teach himself the curriculum for seven other AP math and science courses over the next three years. He could have gone to college in the seventh grade. But his mom and dad decided that they wanted him to be a normal kid. They wanted him to have the normal experiences that that students have in in junior high school and and senior high school. So they they wanted him to to, uh, mature emotionally, and they wanted him to mature physically as well. And so by the time he finished the 10th grade, he had done so well on all those AP tests that he was named the Siemens Award A winner is the highest scoring male high school student in California. But it was was in kindergarten uh, in a classroom at Grace Valley Christian School that one of his teachers first noticed that there was something different about him. This is what she says. She says it became very, very clear uh, and and very uh, quickly that he had a gift and that uh, his ability was far above his age. She said, it was in math that I first began to see something on his face. I began to see the wheels turning. You know what? Don Shin is a gifted kid. All of us are familiar with with children or kids that uh, are gifted. 
They're gifted. Some of them are gifted intellectually. Some are gifted artistically. Some are gifted musically. And then there are lots of other creative mediums that, that kids are gifted in. But what if I told you that every person in this room and in our overflow and in our children's department who is a child of Jesus Christ is a gifted kid? Now, you, some of you are doing this. Be careful. Don't nod with me on this series because, listen, I'm going to call your hand on some of this stuff, okay? We say we believe that, and yet we, we draw back. We're afraid to explore and to see what the gifts are. But every one of us are, are gifted children. Every one of us is a uniquely gifted prodigy. We're, we're, we're all brilliant virtuosos in, in the spirit realm. And the reason is because if you know Jesus Christ this morning, you have a spiritual gift. You're gifted. And you, you probably have more than one, but I know you have at least one. And that with that gift comes the ability and the capability of doing things far beyond what we can imagine. Because I can hear some of you think about that for a minute. Because I can hear some of you thinking right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard this all before, preacher. <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you. You know what? If you're not careful this morning, you'll tune me out, you'll turn me off, and you'll miss what God wants to do through you. I want you to hear me say this. I'll say this again and again and again. There's no person in this church that's more gifted than anybody else. There's no person in this church that has a better gift than somebody else, okay? There are people in this church who have put their gifts to work and have worked and practiced and practiced and practiced, but all of those gifts are important. There's no, this gift is the gift above all gifts, and this gift is the lowest of the low. There's none of that in Scripture, And we'll talk about that as we go. They're spiritual gifts. They're given so that we can build up one another. We're all God's gifted kids. This chapel, this overflow that we have over there, uh, our children's bill, they're filled with uniquely gifted kids. Spiritual gifts are a universal blessing to the church. Okay, There's not a church that names the name of Jesus Christ that doesn't have gifted membership. And this church is no different than any other church. This, this corporate body is filled with exceptional, extraordinary, and remarkable people. But sadly, the thing that, that is that most of us don't know what our gifts are, or we believe we don't have one. I love the way when Paul begins, and you're not going to see this on the screen, but I love the way when Paul begins to, to address the spiritual gifts in, in, in Corinth. This is what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren, I don't want you to be unaware. And I like the translation in the King James. I don't want you to be ignorant. Because when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand what they are because they are vitally important to the body of Christ. Listen, by exercising those gifts, we strengthen one another. And we grow into Christian maturity. I I want you to hear this. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Okay? 
They're no lone wolf Christians. There's no Christian who can get along without somebody else. The only ones that do that very quickly end up as trophy mounts with their heads stuffed on Satan's wall over his fireplace. Okay? I'm just telling you. God never designed us to be by ourselves. He designed us to depend upon one another, to be interdependent on one another. We need one another, okay? I need your gifts, okay? This church needs all of our gifts to function at the level that God has called us to function. God's given us a calling. We talked about that last week. But for us to reach that calling, we have to function with our gifts, Every gift is important. You know, I could go on and on. The gift of teaching is no more important than the gift of service. You know, we got to have some people who love to serve and who are willing to change baby diapers. Okay? Because if we don't have anybody to change baby diapers, guess what happens? We don't have any young couples. And if we don't have any young couples, guess what happens? We die. So you know what? You can have a talking head up here every Sunday morning and not have anybody in the, in the nursery changing diapers because they're exercising that gift to serve. And the church dies. So gifts are important. I know when I say that, people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. But that's true. That is really true. And we're going to see that over the weeks. Well, let me, let me do this. Why do we, let me ask this question. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Why? Well, they're given to us so that we can build up one another. How many of you in this room don't need any encouragement? How many of you get all the encouragement you need out there? On your job, at the Walmart, at the bank. (laughs) How many of you get all the encouragement you need through the mail? About the only thing I see coming in the mail right now is bills and IRS stuff. Okay? It's January. It's not encouraging. Okay? Or insurance stuff. That's surely not encouraging. We, God created the church to encourage itself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us these gifts so that we can build one another up and so that we can grow in Christian maturity, God wants us to grow. He wants us. He doesn't want us to be babies. Okay? You know, I got to choose my metaphors and my illustrations quickly. There's a bunch of them going on in my head. How many of you are, that are parents want a 10-year-old carrying a bottle around? None of you. How many of you want to carry a 10-year-old around? All the time, every place you go. None of you. You want that child to mature. And you want that child to learn to to eat solid food. And to learn over time how to use a knife and a fork and a spoon so that they can feed themselves. And you want them to learn to walk. You know what? Jesus wants us to learn to eat solid food. He wants us to learn how to walk. Because he's not satisfied with us just walking. He wants us to learn to run. Okay, and if we learn to run, you know what we will do? We will mount up with the wings of eagles and we will fly. 
Well, at least one person, Jimmy, believes that, okay? Listen, I'm not cheerleader this morning. So I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there. But God wants us to mature. We have these gifts so that we can do the things that Jesus did. Without spiritual gifts, we can't do what Jesus did and the greater things that he talked about. So we need the gifts that he gives us. But you know what? None of us are Jesus. Nobody has all the gifts. He gives them as he wishes to us. He equips us. He empowers us. And he authorizes us through the power of the Holy Spirit to represent him in every situation and every circumstance. Do you realize that no matter what situation he leads you into, he has equipped you because of your gifting and his power to handle it? Now don't answer me real quick, okay? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if you do... You'll you'll face life differently. You'll approach every day differently. We are gifted kids. We're the we're the kids of the King. Okay, and he hasn't kept everything for himself. He's given it to us. us. Not just a few of us, though. And now I want you to understand that this morning. Not just a few of us, but all of us. The ground. You hear this said all the time. But the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Okay? You know why? Because we all stand there equal. Male, female, black, white, red, yellow, American, European, African, Middle Eastern. We all stand at the foot of the cross equal. And when those gifts were poured out, they were poured out on level ground, okay? There wasn't a class of folks over here that, that just got lavished with everything and then what the Holy Spirit had left, he just kind of slung it out there and everybody grabbed what they need. No, he chose us, and we'll talk more about this. He's chose you specifically to give you the specific gift mix that he's given you. We're all equal in this. You know, the, the only... Genuine, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. In America, we are a democracy, a republic really is what we are. Uh, we don't, we don't uh, the, the majority tends to, to carry the case, but in America, even though we're free, there are haves and have-nots, okay? That's just reality, but you know what? In the kingdom of God, there are no have-nots. There are only people who will not. They will not use what God has given them. And so when it, when it comes to spiritual gifts, He has given them to all of us. And he's, he's called on us to discover what they are. We didn't get them because we deserve them, or none of us would have gotten one. Okay? If we'd have deserved it, none of us would have gotten one. These gifts are, they're not natural. They're, they're not, uh, they're, they're really supernatural is what they are. They're, they're, they're blessings of grace is really what they are. And he's lavished them on his kids. I'm going to say it again. We're gifted kids. You're a gifted kid. Our problem is we don't really understand what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. What God says. 
about the gifts that he's given us. Now, most of us have had a little teaching on spiritual gifts. I mean, how many of you have ever heard a sermon, been in a class, uh, or, 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 or whatever on spiritual gifts? Every one of us, pretty much, okay? Most of us have a little teaching, okay? But we tend to have a little teaching from a very specific, particular slant, all right? I grew up in the Baptist church. I got the Baptist slant, some of you grew up in the Methodist church. You got the Methodist slant. Some of you grew up in a, in a Presbyterian church. You got the Presbyterians. Some of you grew up in a, a charismatic church. You got the charismatic slant. The only problem is, is every one of those slants was just a little bit of the whole pie. There's more. All right? There's more. And usually what we got was the one that was deemed appropriate for whatever group was teaching it. In other words, most of us have been taught... A few of the gifts. There's probably not many in this room that have been taught about all the gifts. Most of us have been taught what somebody else thought was appropriate or what they were comfortable with. I grew up in those churches. Man, we're not comfortable with that. So we stay away from that. I don't understand that, so we're going to stay away from that. In reality, we have more misunderstanding than we have understanding. We have confusion is what we have. Most of us have assumed, and you know, you know what happens when you assume. And we formed opinions based on what some teacher or some preacher thinks rather than on what God says. We've accepted someone else's limitations and regulations based on excuses instead of a very careful exegesis. And all exegesis means is an opening up of Scripture, a study of Scripture. We've accepted somebody else's excuses as to why God doesn't do this anymore or why God does this now and He doesn't do that. That's an excuse. That's not exegesis, okay? I've said this before, but what happens is misunderstanding creates confusion. Which is where a great deal of churches are when it comes to the area of spiritual gifts. And where confusion lingers for a while, fear takes hold. Listen, I know brothers and sisters that are terrified of certain gifts. That does, that just... That blows my mind. I can hear you thinking right now, there are some of those gifts going through some of your minds right now. That, that just blows my mind, that we would be afraid of God. But the reason we're afraid is because we've been taught that way, and we've, been confu- we've gotten confused, and, and fear has taken place. We've accepted limitations that God doesn't put on. And where fear reigns, you've heard me say this over and over, fear, where fear reigns, faith is always quenched. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. Man, if I could tattoo a verse on the inside of my eyelids, that would be one. All right? To always remind me that I'm supposed to walk in faith and not fear. Listen, I believe that God is calling us as a church 
to explore what the scriptures say about spiritual gifts. I believe that that God has been working in this body for for almost five and a half years to get us to this exact moment. You've heard me say that before. I think he's, he's working to get us to the place where we will believe and we will accept and we'll enter into what he wants us to learn. Listen, I don't want you to learn what I want to teach. I want you to learn what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. Okay? I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I mess up from time to time. But you know what? The Holy Spirit never messes up. And if we'll surrender to Him and we will walk with Him, He will teach us the truth of Scripture. I really believe that. Since we begin this journey... As a church five and a half years ago, God's given me very clear direction on on what I was to preach and what I was to teach and in what order I was to do it and when I was to do it. He's been very methodical in chipping away the religious garbage that we've picked up along the way. He's been purging us. He's been cleansing us. He's been kind of jettisoning some of that religious mumbo-jumbo that all of us have gotten in contact with it's not everything we've learned it's just little things but those little things color everything else i had a a a guy that 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 started out with us and one of his friends asked him where he was going to church and he told him and he said why are you going there he said he said what's happening he said well it's like going through spiritual rehab i love that (laughs) okay because that's exactly the way i thought and I, I'm going to tell you, they're, they're, God's taken things away from me that were, not, that were not scriptural. We're not biblical. And you know what? I got the shakes when I had to let them go. Because I learned to depend on They were crutches that I had used. And folks, there are a lot of crutches when it comes to spiritual gifts. But most of those crutches are because of fear and uncertainty and confusion. I grew up and I served in, in several churches that taught just a little bit on spiritual gifts. Especially the ones they felt like they understood. Can I just share something with you about pastors and, and men in general? If they don't think they can win, they won't try. All right? If the bar's too high and they feel like they're going to splat on the wall, they won't jump. And if pastors feel like they're going to fail miserably they won't try something so they like to to kind of keep things corralled and and controlled amen come on let's just be honest nobody's hearing this but us this morning after today and tom puts it up on the board everybody will hear it but right now okay and i said it so i'm responsible for it but as pastors they like to control things they like things in neat little packages they don't like messes okay Listen, babies make messes. All right? Babies make messes. Adults make messes. I could give you all kinds of examples there. All of us make messes from time to time. But I, I grew up in those churches that, 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 that and I'm certain that, that, you know, they, they were afraid to go very far. They liked the gifts that were neat and clean. Or what they thought was neat and clean. And, and, and especially those that could be regulated, orchestrated, and controlled. 
Okay? How many of you ever took a spiritual gift test? Oh, a bunch of you. How many of you took it in a denomination other than an assembly of God or a charismatic church? Do you know your test probably didn't have most of the gifts of the Spirit on it? Do you know that? It only just had the ones that that denomination chose to be in it. Do you know that? They weren't all there. So how are you going to find out what you got if the whole test is not there? Well, they weren't there because... We don't want those gifts. We don't understand those gifts. We can't control those gifts. Those gifts are not neat and clean. Okay, I'm just, I'm being straight up honest this morning. And when you took that test, it was kind of very controlled environment. It was always in the background. Uh, God help you if you messed up with your gift. You got to kind of got them pro. Okay, so you got this gift. You're gonna, we're going to let you try to use it. Now, don't mess up. If you messed up, you've likely never got to use it in a public setting again. I was taught that certain gifts had ceased to exist, and that certain gifts existed. In other words, there were some that were gone. We don't need them anymore, and some that are still here. We still need these. I was taught that. In Bible college. Okay? I was taught that in seminary. I'll put it this way. It was in some of the books we read in seminary. Let me be careful what I say there. And the reason that we no longer had those gifts is because now we have God's Word. Well, you know what? Paul had God's Word. Jesus had God's Word. The church had God's Word when the spiritual gifts were poured out. We're going to look at that later on. I'm not going to go there today, but we're going to look at that. It, basically, the, that belief, is, it's called cessationism. It's, it, it, and it, what happens is it's the belief that some of the gifts have ceased. You know what? Most of my Christian life, I've been frustrated because the gifts that were beginning to manifest in me weren't on the lists that were approved in my spiritual family, okay? They weren't the gifts that were on the spiritual gift tests. They were just manifesting, and I didn't have any explanation for it. So you know what happened? I got confused. So I did the easy thing, okay? I drank the Kool-Aid. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. And I tried to convince myself that the arguments that were made were true. And you know what? Remember in Bible college, going to theology class and being taught this, being taught that some of the gifts had ceased, that these were the only gifts that were still around. And then going and, and the text that was used to prove it was given. Okay, that, well, that, that makes sense. But then I would go to Greek class and the very verse that we had studied wouldn't say what my theology professors were saying. So I'm, I'm pulled. I'm torn. I, you know, if the language doesn't say it, I can't build a doctrine on it. I don't care who interprets it that way. All right? Y'all, y'all, y'all may think, Nelson, you're getting a little excited. 
That's because there are a lot of confused people. And they're not just confused. Some of them are national teachers who are mean when it comes to this subject. And if they could carry swords and they could do what they want, they would decimate the body of Christ who believe different than they do. Okay? That's how far the fear goes. And so what, what happened is I, I, I got frustrated. I, I, I looked at the arguments and, and it, it was rational, but it wasn't logical. And you know what? As I studied, it didn't make any biblical sense. In other words, I couldn't really find and prove what I was hearing from Scripture. And this is one of the things that I have learned. Misinformation, bad teaching, and ignorance will never produce a strong church. Okay? It just won't. If you can't support a biblical doctrine, or right, let, me, let me back up. If you can't support a doctrine, whether it's personal or denominational, if you can't support it from Scripture, it's probably not doctrinal. Okay? Because this is where we test everything. This is where God says to test the Spirit. Test it with the Word of God. And so, you know what I did? I backed up and I began to put the tools that I had been taught to use into place. And I began to to look at the doctrines. I began to look at what Scripture teaches. And listen, it doesn't matter how sincere a teacher is or a preacher is or a denominational group is. If they're not teaching something correctly, then I don't need to swallow it. Because listen, this is what will happen. It will stick like a chicken bone in your throat at some place. Okay? This one stuck for me. I just couldn't reconcile. Okay? I I, I didn't have the answers, but there just was something wrong. And so, like I said, I was confused, so I swallowed the Kool-Aid for a while. But I finally came to a fork in in my spiritual walk. I could either go along to get along, or I could find out what God's Word said. Okay? I could read it for myself. I could, everybody else said it. Said. Now, for most of us, that just simply means we need to read it as it is written. Listen to me, this is one of the earliest rules I learned in school when it, when it came to my theological education. If the literal sense makes sense, that's the sense. Okay? Yes, there are symbolic language in Scripture. When, 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 when Peter, or not Peter, but when John talks about things in the book of the Revelation, he's using symbolism. Alright? But when Jesus talks, for the most part, man, he is straight up literal as it can be. When Peter talks, when Paul talks, Paul rarely uses symbolism. He does a few times, but most of it's just, man, what I say is what I mean. This is what I'm talking about. And so if it makes literal sense, we interpret it literally. Listen, if, if we have to do mental gymnastics and use exegetical tricks to make God's Word say what we think it means... We're twisting. We're not taking it for what it says. And if that's the case, it's kind of like they used to say in the space program, Houston, we got a problem. 
we've got a problem. I have a, a, a really deep conviction within me to preach and to teach only what the Bible says. You know why? Because one of these days I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account of what I've taught and what I've preached. And listen, I got enough issues I'm going to have to give an account of. I don't want to add to it by that. I don't want to preach what I think it says. I want to know what it says. It's one of the reasons it's taken this long to get here with the sermon series because there's a lot of I thinks in there, okay? There was a lot of uncertainty in there. I don't preach what I think. I don't preach what I hear other talking heads. I don't preach the 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 uh, the ser- I mean the, the 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 sermon of the month or the or the topic of interest in the theological world for today. I don't preach that stuff. I I try to preach what God's word teaches. So as we begin this series, I'm approaching this with a lot of fear and trembling and with a lot of prayer. Because you know what? If this church survives this series, we won't be the same church that we are today. Now, I've longed to be able to do this for a long time. But at the same time, I have dreaded doing this with anxiety and trembling. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. Why? Because if if we embrace, if we express, and we experience what the Bible actually teaches about spiritual gifts, it will revolutionize our walk with Jesus Christ. It will change us. And if we change, you know what happens to this church? It changes. Completely. It will propel us and push us into places we never dreamed about. And you know what? We will see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. We'll no longer have to beg people to serve or to do things that need to be done. We won't. Man, I long for the day. In about mid-November, when we start looking at what we need and where we need people to serve, that there's a line of people on Sunday morning. Hey, Pastor, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have to figure out places to put people and invent ministries so that those people can serve. That's that's what I want. I want to work myself out of a job, okay? I, I don't say that lightly. My job is not to do everything. It's not to be everything. It's not to to control everything. My job is to build up the saints, to prepare them and encourage them and enable them to do the work of the ministry. That's what my job is. But right now, I got a lot of other hats I wear, and that's just the way it is. But one of these days, some of those hats I'm going to be able to take off. I'm not going to have to buy toilet paper. And, 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 and towels and, and stuff like that anymore. I'm not going to have to. Well, I'll still have to do some things, okay? I'll still have to. Because that's just a part of serving. When you see something needs to be done, you just do it. All right? But I'm looking for that day when somebody fights me to pick up a candy wrapper on the floor. I'll get it, preacher. No, I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to get it. And there'll be four or five people snatching and grabbing at that one candy. I don't see that yet, okay? Why? Because we're not operating and our gifts. Listen. We'll see things happen that we once thought was impossible. 
And the Holy Spirit will flow in ways that none of us can imagine. But I want to warn you right now, okay? I want you to hear me. It won't be church as usual anymore. All right? It won't be the church that necessarily we're accustomed to. It will be a powerful church. All right? You, you won't need to, you won't even think about nodding off anymore. You'll be afraid to go to sleep in a service because you're afraid you will, something will happen and you'll miss it. Listen, I can remember a, a time uh, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, in, in a particular church where I was afraid, I wanted to be in all three services. I didn't want to miss a service because I was afraid if I went to Sunday school or I went to do the other stuff I do, I would miss God doing something. All I get to do is hear about it. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the Spirit of God shows up, man, everybody's wide awake. They're not, they're not nodding off. They're not thinking about what they're going to do after the sermon. You know what? This won't be a place that you simply come to because you think you have to. You'll come because you want to. This place will become like a dynamo, a powerhouse. The presence of God will be tangible. We won't have to ask, is God here? Man, it'll be obvious that God is here. You'll sense Him. You'll feel Him. You won't be able to deny His power nor His presence as the Holy Spirit begins to manifest Himself. But this won't be the church that you're used to. It won't be the church that your mom and daddy or your grandmother went to. Or what, listen, church ought to be. It, it, it won't be all of that. We will become the church, the church, the overcoming, the gates of hell kicking, the devil-stomping bride of Jesus Christ. We'll become the, the church that Jesus died for. And you know what? You won't be able to hide. All right? You won't be able, there won't be a place in the background. Now, some of you, and I I say this, I love you, but some of you are content to attend, but you don't seem to want to take ownership of anything. All right? When this happens, that's not going to be the case because there's not going to be any place to hide. If we survive this study, that won't be the case anymore. You'll either get involved, or you know what? The conviction of God will be so heavy on you, you will go somewhere else to get rest. Now, I don't say that with any desire that anybody leaves. I'm just being honest with you. You'll either be God, or you'll be gone. That's what happens when the people of God begin to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. For me, okay, I can only speak for me, but this morning, I'm cutting the rope on what was. All right? What's easy? What's safe? And I'm setting sail to somebody, place I've never been before. But I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is in my boat and he said, we're going to the other side. You remember when he got in the boat with the disciples and said, we're going to the other side? Crawled up on the bench, went directly to sleep. What happened after that? Storm came. There's going to be some storms. There's going to be some storms. Not everybody likes the Holy Spirit. Not every Christian likes the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I, 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 trust me, you'll see. 
You'll see. Listen, I don't have all the answers. I'm not even sure what I'm going to share with you and teach on even looks like. Because some of it I have never seen. I've heard about it. I've been around people that, that may have seen it. But, but I'm not sure what it looks like. But I know this. If we follow God and we listen to God carefully what he teaches us about spiritual gifts and we simply obey what we learn i am fully convinced he will take us exactly where he wants us to go at the speed he wants to go now i want you to hear something that speed is not my speed and it's not any of your speeds it's his speed so we have to go at his speed I'm fully convinced that if God wants us to learn this, and He wants us to put this, uh, this stuff, this teaching, this doctrine, uh, these things into play, did you know what? He will take adequate care of us. He will protect us. He won't let us fall into biblical error or God knows heresy. Okay? I'm going to say a few things in the next few sentences that kind of tells you where I'm coming from when it comes to gifts. We'll talk about some of these things later. But I don't happen to believe that any, and I underscore any, of the gifts have ceased. That means I believe that all the gifts that Scripture mentions, are still, they're still functioning. They're still in use. Okay, and, and I'm going to just say this. And there are some gifts but I, that I don't even think God has released necessarily. So there may be more. But I'm only going to teach on what Scripture clearly talks about. All right? I'm going to to limit myself there. Listen, I don't find any of that teaching. I don't find the, the teaching of cessationism. I don't find that in the pages of the Bible, nor do I find it in the pages of church history. You see, if you study church history closely, you will find... The gifts, all of the gifts being used. Sometimes they would fall into to quietness and you wouldn't hear about them, but then they'd crop up again. Then they'd fall out, they'd fall in. You'll see all kinds of things, political things, take place in the church to stamp out certain gifts. You'll find that, that uh, you know, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues were, were deemed tools of witchcraft in certain times during the church. That's not what Scripture teaches. Okay, that's what men decided. And so you you find all of those gifts that Scripture is so clear about, that Paul talks about in, in three or four different places. You find them all through church history up until today. And so I believe all the gifts are still in existence, and I believe all the gifts are intended for use in the local church for the building up of the body. I'm going to say this over and over and over. For the building up of the body. For the building up of the body. God never gave any man or woman a spiritual gift to make a superstar out of them. All right? Nobody. Now, listen to me. There are men and women who have become, for lack of a better term, stars because they have used their gifts. But it was never God's intention that they be famous for their gift. 
They've just practiced it, and they've become very, very qualified at it, and they use it at a higher level than maybe Bill or Tom or Sue or Ann because they haven't used their gift, okay? God elevates us when he chooses to. Men elevate us whenever we're popular, okay? And so... I believe they're all in existence. I believe they're, they're useful for the church. So the goal of, of, of this series, the, my goal in this, is that, uh, that it's for us as a church to fully embrace and to express and to experience all the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit of God is. So guides us in the context of this local church. What that means is the way they do it over there, or over there, or up there, or back there, may not be the way we do it here. Does that make sense? We're going to figure out how God wants us to use it so that we can all mature together into the fullness of Christ. It, it may not look like they did it in my mama's church, okay? It, it just may not. Because I believe God gives those gifts and the mixes that he gives them in a local church to build up that body. See, there's needs in this body that are not in necessarily the body over there, or the body up there, or the body over there. So we've got to learn to express and embrace and experience those gifts in the context God has put us here at the age that we are as a church. Does that make sense? In other words, what I'm saying is we're going to do this like the Holy Spirit leads us to do it. All right? And the Bible commands us. We're going to use the Bible as our guide, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into that. He's going to interpret it for us. Now, I don't know how that looks. Okay? If that scares you, I'm sorry. It scares me, too. Because I learned to control. All right? As a young pastor, that's what you do. You keep everything. You keep all the ducks in a row, all the all the you know your 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 herd all in the same place, and and good things happen. Well, I, that's not what God's called me to. Okay. As the pastor of this church, my job is not to control people. That's not my job. So I'm not doing it. My job is not to do the things I'm comfortable with doing. Because you know what? Being a shepherd sometimes means you have to do things you're not comfortable with. You have to walk in places that are not easy. You have to, 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 to work with people that, 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 hey, they're not easy to work with. You have to sometimes say things that everybody's not going to understand or like. Okay, and where I come from, just the, the, the little guy hiding in me, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to be happy. I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want there to be any uh, loud talking. I, I, I just want to... Uh, but you know what? God hasn't called me to do that as a pastor. God's called me not to control. He's, he's called me uh, not to do the things I'm comfortable or I feel safe doing or the things I like. Listen, if, if I were doing what I like, we wouldn't be doing this, all right? But this is what he's called me. This is, I, have a, I don't have to wonder what my job as a pastor is. It's in black and white. Jesus wrote it down through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul. 
He gave me my job description. I can't argue with it. I just have to fill it. This is it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of service. For, to the building up of the body of Christ. For how long? Until we all. It doesn't say until a handful get it and they go with it. Okay, that, I, I read that several times to make sure. It says until we all. You know how many times in my ministry I have gotten everybody to agree on anything? It's never happened. <laughs> Ever. And yet he's given me that job description that I am to do this until all attain to the unity of the faith. They're one in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man or to a mature woman. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. My job is to build up, to encourage, to, to teach and to train people until they reach that place. Guess what? I got job security. Okay? <laughs> I really do. It's, it's gonna, as long as, as, as God chooses for me to do this, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to set God's people free. To do what he's called them to do. I'm supposed to help equip, uh, help equip them and to empower them to be little Jesus Christ. That's our job. We're to be little Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a little Christ. I'm not the Christ, but I'm supposed to be a chip off the blocks. I'm supposed to, to, to do what Jesus did. And by the way, this is not my church. All right? I never planted, Kathy and I didn't plant this church for this church to be my church. This is our church. But even more than that, this is his church. This is, this is his bride. You belong to him. We belong to him. You don't belong to me. And, and, and listen, I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to be the person that, uh, the, the, you know, t- this is not my church. This is our church. This is not I, me, or my. This is we. And the only way we survive is if we go that way. I don't have all the gifts. And I'm just going to say this. None of you do either. Therefore, we need each other desperately if we hope to, to just survive. But Jesus didn't leave us here just to survive. You heard me say this over and over. He didn't leave us here to dig foxholes and, and storm shelters and, 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 and build, you know, concrete bunkers underground stocked with food and bullets so that when the apocalypse comes, we can be the only ones that crawl out. Listen, the only ones going to crawl out are the cockroaches. All right? If you're a Christian, you're not going to be here. All right? That's what I believe. All right? I don't believe I'm going to be here. He didn't call us to do that. He called us to be living, breathing examples of Jesus day in and day out. And so if, if we hope to survive, he's called us to thrive. And if we're going to thrive and accomplish the work of God that he's entrusted to us, folks, we have to be interdependent. I have to know my brother and my sister right there. If I slow down, if I trip, they're going to catch me. My arms get tired, they're going to pick them up. That if I see my brother or sister lagging, I, I step in there to kind of help lift up and encourage. 
I want to tell you something. I'm just going to tell you as a pastor, equipping the saints can be dangerous, nasty business. All right? The Bible says that as saints, we are sheep. How many of y'all know sheep have teeth? You know what sheep use teeth for? To bite. And they bite when they're pushed further than they want to go. So I'm warning you, okay? God is about to begin to push. All right? He's about to begin to challenge us on our beliefs. And he's, he, he, when it comes to spiritual gifts, he, he's going to start pushing us, okay? He's going to push some of us into uncomfortable places. So be careful who you stop at and I mean, want to bite, all right? Take it up with him. Right? I mean, if you got an issue, take it up with God, and then I'll talk to you. But don't come mad at God and want to bite me, all right? I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I'm serious. He's about to challenge our belief systems, folks. He's, he's about to, to challenge what we consider, consider acceptable and what we think is acceptable in worship and, and how we go about doing what we do. He's about to kind of turn us inside out and upside down so that, Lord, listen, listen so His glory can come, so we can descend. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I've been building to here, and I'm done pretty much. Is that what you want? Don't answer, okay? But don't answer. I know some of you do. We've talked, and and I know that. But is that really what you want? Consider the implications. Jesus says, count the cost. Listen, I'm not going to be a part of a church that, like I have been in the past, that responds with a hearty amen, and then as they go out the door, they go right back to doing what they did yesterday. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. This is not going to be easy. It's going to be messy. And we're going to be misunderstood. We're going to be maligned. We're going to be made fun of by other people. Other brothers and sisters. Because you know what? When people are afraid of something, they make fun of it. You know why they demonize political uh, leaders in different parties? They do this on all sides. Because they don't understand them and they fear them. So if you can demonize them and make them a caricature and make fun of them, they're not as scary. Listen, they've done that in the church since the beginning. The world did it, and then we start doing it to ourselves. So we're going to be misunderstood. They won't understand the fire that starts to burn within us. They won't understand what drives us. They won't understand the passion that, that won't accept the same old, same old. And they won't understand the choices you start to make in your life. So count the cost. Now today, you know what? I've not defined what spiritual gifts are, where they come from. I haven't given you the various lists and all the different names those lists go by. Okay? We're going to look at those in their context. And we're going to look at how they work in the local church. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to evaluate one higher and devalue another one lower. We're, we're not going to do that. We're going to look at them right here. In your life when it comes to serving Jesus. Other than your relationship. So we're not going to lift one up and push one down. We're not going to group them and these are the important ones. These are the less important. We're, they're all important. Okay.
We're not going to do it because we don't understand them or, or, or we're not comfortable with them. Listen, I'm, what I'm talking about is a journey, all right? It's going to be a journey. And it's going to be a tough one. But you know what? Unless we take that journey, we won't ever see what God's got for us. If I live in the same place and never go anywhere, I won't see the world He's created. And there's more. Okay, there's more. So I believe this morning, Jesus just has one question for us, and I've already asked it. Is this really what you want? I begin this morning by calling you gifted kids. And you are. And you know what? Scripture says your gift will take you before kings. You're gifted kids. But you have to be willing to use that gift. You know why Don Shin, the little boy I was talking about, did all the things that he did? Because he was willing to use the gift that he had for mathematics. He, he was willing to, to not listen to the kids that made fun of him. We're going to have to learn to use the gifts God's given us. And if we do that, we'll get where God wants us to go. But the question still remains, is this really what you want? Now, I don't ask that to gauge what I'm going to preach on next Sunday. I know where I'm going. I'll be here next week, same time, same station, step two. All right? As long as the Lord allows it. Okay? But is this what you want? Because you've got to make that decision. You've got to make that decision. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.